0: For another great Wednesday night united. I'm so glad that you came to church tonight. I'm so glad that you are here to hear the word of God, what God is saying to us, and what he is revealing to us from the word of God. You know, David said, the psalmist said this, he said, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, through the years, there's been much made of this, and, and, I'm not saying that we shouldn't uh, emphasize it, but you know, if if the psalmist was glad, overjoyed, excited to go to the temple, to the place of God, you know, how much more overjoyed should we be to be the temple of the Holy Ghost, to be the house of God? And uh, excitement for the word, excitement for church, excitement for uh, coming together to hear the word with other believers, that's something that you have to keep it stirred up. You have to keep it uh, relevant in your thinking because, uh, uh, you know, when you, when you go to church, the, the secular world in general has made uh, going to church kind of a, uh, just a, uh, uh, an event, a meeting place, you know, just going to get together like you go anywhere else. But according to Scripture, it's where I'm fed It's where I'm strengthened. It's where I am edified. It's where I'm built up. And, uh, you know, when you come to church and you make the effort to show up and you make the effort to be there and you make the effort to bring your supply, God will always respond accordingly. And uh, especially coming off the weekend that we're coming off of with uh, uh, Annette being with us and And uh, some of the things that the Lord said, things that I'm sure you're still chewing on, I'm still chewing on, is that we got to understand that that, those are progressive moments. Those are moments of progression. They are uh, uh, moments of uh, moving forward, all right? They're dynamic moments to push us into something. And we have to be aware that that we want to move because he said in the Word, That uh, He gave to us through her. He said, uh, will you come with me and will you answer my call? And so we're answering the call and we're moving with him. Amen. Well, I want to minister to you tonight on this subject, the head and his body. And I began this last Sunday morning uh, on the head and his body. I was studying one day. I was uh, meditating on Matthew 16. Uh, everyone knows my love affair with the local church. I love the local church. I think, I don't think, uh, the local church is the hope of the world. That's what the Lord said to me one time. And I was meditating on Matthew 16, and I kept coming across the very familiar verse that says, it says, uh, upon this rock I'll build my church. We'll read it in a moment. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Let's look at it right there, Matthew 16 16. Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, Blessed are you, Simon Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So he says on this declaration of who I am, the Christ, the Son of the living God, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I was meditating on that and the Lord asked me, he said, why will the gates of hell not prevail against the church? Now, obviously, there's any number of reasons that people could come up with, um, you know the 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 church is ordained by God. The church is founded on the Word. All of these different things, and I'm not saying that they would be wrong or incorrect. But uh, if if you haven't watched or haven't heard last week's message, you would do yourself uh, a favor to go back and and watch part one because we went into this in depth. I can't go as in depth in it tonight as we did Sunday morning, but. He asked me, why will the gates of hell not prevail against the church? And so I looked at the word prevail, and it gives us some insight. It means to overpower or to be strong to another's detriment or to be strong against. So he tells us from this passage that the gates of hell, all right, Hades, death, the powers of hell will never overpower or be strong to the detriment of the church. Now think about that for a moment. Now contrast there what Jesus said with what you hear many say in the earth. And I'm not talking about sinners, I'm talking about believers. What a bad shape the church is in. How weak the church is. How lackadaisical, lukewarm, what an impotent, whatever you want to use, phrase you want to use, you hear it said about the church. Yet Jesus said that the church would never, that it was not possible for the gates of hell to overpower or be strong to the detriment of the church. They will never have the strength to deter the church, ever. And so then the question is, why? Why is that? Well, Ephesians 1 is where we'll look. And we went in depth, this this first part, we went in depth in it last Sunday. So uh, you would do yourself a favor to go listen to those uh, messages, that message. But Ephesians 1, 21 and twenty two speaking of Jesus, it says that he has uh, he has been set at the, own, the the right hand of God, far above all principality and power and might and every and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world but also in that which is to come, and he has put all things under his feet and and here it is. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the body of Christ, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. The Amplified Bible says that God has appointed him, Jesus, the universal and supreme head of the church, a headship exercised through the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all, for in that body, that's the church, in the church lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete and who fills everything everywhere with himself. Oh, hallelujah. So notice the scripture says that in the church lives the full measure of Christ. In the church lives the full measure of Christ. Christ. So the first reason that hell will never prevail against the church is that Christ is the head of the church and we're his body. All right. Christ is the head and we're his body. That's the first reason that hell will never prevail against the church. They will never be strong to the detriment of the church. Why? The devil was never strong to the detriment of Christ. And if he cannot be, if he could not be strong to the detriment of Christ, he cannot be strong to the detriment of the body of Christ. This is so important because somewhere people get this idea that the church is some disconnected entity from Jesus when the Bible says it is his body. And the Amplified Bible says the headship of Christ is exercised throughout the church. So Christ is the head of every area of the church, and the church is his body. And because the devil could not be strong to the detriment of Christ when he was on the earth, he cannot be strong to the detriment of the church while the church is on the earth. Because why? The fullness of Christ dwells in the church. The fullness of Christ dwells in the church. Hallelujah. The same power in the head is in the body. If, if the, the, the power that is in the head is the power that is in the body. Now think about that. Now religion has a problem with that. Oh, we can never be as powerful as Jesus. So here's my question. So the body of Christ has somehow lost power between the time that Jesus ascended to the Father And sent back the Holy Ghost. Why did he send back the Holy Ghost? So that we could receive power. What power? Same power he had. Same power he had. What what made Jesus powerful? He was full of the Holy Ghost. He was full of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit came on him in the river Jordan. And anointed him with what? Power. Power. To do what? Everything he did. The only reason Jesus could give the disciples, and we'll look at this in a moment, the only reason he could give them power or authority over all the power of the enemy was because he had power over all the power of the enemy. And he gave it to them. Hallelujah. I'll show you this in just a moment. But this is what I need you to see. Jesus was full of power. And he said to the uh, disciples and the others, when he was leaving the earth, ascending to the right hand of the Father, he said in uh, the book of Luke, the last chapter of the book of Luke, and then again in the book of Acts chapter 1, he said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait on the promise of the Father. And he said, when the promise of the Father comes, you will be endued, you will be clothed, you will be equipped, you will be armed with power. Power over what? All the power of the enemy. Amen. Why? Because it's the same. I'm going and I'm sending back to you. Now, now watch Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself, but it can preach twice. Well, let, 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 let's go here. Ephesians chapter five and verse thirty, and then we'll we'll get into that. We are vitally connected to Christ. The life that is in Him is the life that's in us. And Ephesians five thirty says, "For we are members of His body, of His flesh, and of His bones." Well, it says we are members of His body. There's some uh, argument as to whether of His flesh and of His bones was in the original manuscripts, but we do know that we are members of his body is there. Members, it means a part or a limb of his body, an arm, a leg, a limb of his body. Well, the same life force flows through all the parts, all the members, or all the limbs. The power and anointing that the head possesses is the power and the anointing that the body possesses. Not a different power. Not a different anointing. This is what you've got to understand. If you would ever think of this this way, it may change your opinion about some things. Some things. The same Holy Ghost that walked around in Jesus walks around in you. It wasn't a different form of the Holy Ghost. There wasn't a Jesus Holy Ghost and a Philip Holy Ghost. Same Holy Ghost. See, that's why Jesus could say, the works that I do, you will do also. Now he said, greater works than these shall you do, because I go to the Father. Now think about that. The works I do, you will do, and greater works than these you'll do, because I'll go to the Father. What did he say would happen once he had went to the Father? I will pray the Father when I go to the Father, and he will send you the Holy Ghost. And what will happen? You'll be witnesses to me. And people say, yeah, we'll have authority and power to to tell people about Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Acts that uh, with great power, gave the apostles witness to the resurrection of Christ. What what did they do? How did they give that witness? They healed the sick. They healed the sick. Signs and wonders. It says, great miracles were wrought by the hands of the apostles, by the hands of the believers. And they gave great witness with great power. They gave witness to the resurrection of Christ. What was that? Same power that Jesus operated in. Same power that Jesus operated in. Oh, hallelujah. Do you see this? The difference is found in the confidence or the lack of confidence to operate in it. The confidence or the lack of confidence to operate in it. Now, let's look at Luke chapter 4. Let's see how the head dealt with the enemy. Luke chapter 4. Let's see how the head dealt with the enemy. And all these verses, verses 1 through 14, and uh, we won't read all of them uh, in their entirety, but enough so you understand completely what we're dealing with. How did the head deal with the enemy? Let's see how the head dealt with the enemy. Verse 1, and Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And of course, we know he was tempted by the devil. Verse 3, the devil said, he talked about making the stones bread, Jesus answered him, verse 4, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Verse 5, the devil showed him all the kingdoms of the world. In verse 6, he said, I'll give all of these to you and the glory of them, because they've been given to me. Jesus said in verse 8, you shall get behind me, Satan. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. He went on in verse 9, the enemy said, uh, took him to the pinnacle of the temple and said, if you're the son of God, cast yourself down. It's written, he given his angels charge over you. They'll keep you in all their ways. They'll bear you up. Verse 12, Jesus answering said, it is said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. When the devil ended all the temptations, he departed from him for a season. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. Why? Because of what he was doing. Because of the power that he was operating in. I want you to notice something. This is how the head dealt with the enemy. Now, how did he deal with him? Number one, he dealt with him full of the Holy Ghost. Remember verse one? And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost, he went into the wilderness full of the Holy Ghost. What's the epitome of the Holy Ghost? Power over what? The devil. The devil. Power to enforce God's will. The Holy Spirit is for so much more than just speaking in tongues. The Holy Ghost is for so much more than just a prayer language. The Holy Ghost is the power to demonstrate the defeat of the devil. The power to demonstrate that Satan has been defeated and Jesus is in fact Lord. Amen. We don't work miracles and see healings and signs and wonders Because we're word people. We see healing signs and wonders because we have been clothed, we have been armed, we have been invested with the power to do it. Why? The head was invested with the power to do it. Oh, hallelujah. Luke chapter 24. Notice what Jesus said in Luke 24 and verse 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. One translation says, till you're armed with power. Another says, till you are invested with power. Another yet says, till you're equipped with power. So notice, Jesus dealt with the enemy, equipped with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Now, what I'm trying to explain to you is notice, he's the head, we're the body. How did the head deal with the enemy? Number one, equipped with the Holy Ghost, full of the Holy Ghost. That's Listen, that's why you see people that don't believe in being full of the Holy Ghost. And what I mean by that is they don't believe in being filled with the Holy Ghost in the sense that the New Testament tells us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And their denominations don't believe that. And there are the works of the devil, right? And An easy illustration is sickness and disease and poverty. Let's look at just those three things. And they, they tend to run roughshod over people that believe that way. Why? They're not exercising the power. They're not filled with the power that they could be filled with to overcome those things. The Holy Spirit was so important that was the first thing on Jesus' agenda was to send him back to the people of God so that they could operate in power. So important. That's the first thing he said he was going to do. When when he produced and, 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 and presented his blood on the heavenly mercy seat, the very next thing he did was, was ask the Father to send back the Holy Spirit so his people could operate in power and in authority. Hallelujah. So he dealt with the enemy equipped with the Holy Ghost. Now, there's a second way, a second thing that he did. He dealt with him through the word full of the Holy Ghost, and the Word coming out of his mouth. The devil said three times, and Jesus answered with the Word three times. Hallelujah. He's full of the Holy Ghost, wielding the sword of the Spirit coming out of his mouth. In other words, he proved to us that the Word is the Spirit The Holy Ghost uses to defeat the devil. Excuse me, the Word is the sword that the Spirit uses to overcome the devil. Coming out of my mouth. And and very often, you you, you see people kind of get out of balance with this. The the Word is obviously vital. But, But listen, the Word is best used in an atmosphere Full of the Holy Ghost. i got to stay full of the Holy Ghost so I can properly use the Word. The body is equipped to deal with the enemy the same way the head did. Full of the Holy Ghost and with the Word coming out of our mouth. That's why the devil can never prevail to the detriment of the church. Because he has no answer. Notice... What had to happen in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus, full of the Holy Ghost, spoke the word and answered the devil with the word, notice what had to happen. He had to leave. So what does that do? That gives us fresh light, fresh insight. Uh, uh, on the passage in the book of James when it says, if you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. And I've had people say, how do you resist the devil? And I'll hear people say, well, with your words. Exactly, with your words. But understand, it's deeper than that. You resist the devil the same way the head resisted the devil, full of the Holy Ghost and with the word coming out of your mouth. That's how you resist the devil. See, the body is equipped to deal with the devil the same way the head did. We're equipped to deal with him the same way that the head, Christ, did. Jesus never spent time talking about the power of the enemy. And and you look through the four Gospels and you'll see I'm right. He never spent time talking about the power of the enemy. He, He talked to us about his character. He talked to us about his nature. He talked about what he was predisposed to do. In John 10 10, he said that he comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. He talked about what he was predisposed to do, but not his power. As a matter of fact, he tells, he shows us something when, when he, he said, the prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. We talked about it a Sunday morning when Jesus talking about casting out devils with the finger of God, and he made this statement, he said, if I cast out devils with the finger of God, who do your, who do your children cast devils out by? And he said, listen, when a, man is, when a strong man is armed, all right, he keeps his palace and his goods. But when a stronger than he shows up, He takes away from him his armament that he trusted in, and then he divides the spoil. What is that telling us? Jesus is saying in that verse right there, I am the stronger one, and here's what's going to happen at the cross, here's going to what's going to happen through my death, burial, and resurrection is that I'm going to come into the strong man's house, the strong man's house being the earth. I'm going to come into the earth and I am going to take away from the devil all the authority, all the power that he's trusting in right now, and I'm going to divide it among my people. That's what he's saying. Hallelujah. See, he, ne- he never talked about his power. He talked about what he was predisposed to do. Hallelujah. T- amen. But you know, I've heard Christians say, well, you know now, Pastor, the devil does have power. Now, now, now investigate that statement because here's, here's what I want you to, to understand. Because we, we realize that uh, there will come a day when Satan will bow and declare Jesus as Lord. He'll have to. All right? And I realize that the Bible calls him the prince of the power of the air, and he is. I, I, I realize that he took uh, from Adam what Adam gave him, and he did it by deception, And that's what gives him a license to operate in this earth. I understand that. He has has authority over the sinner. He has authority over them that are blinded by his deception. But hear me and hear me clearly and well. If you need to clean out your ears right now, take a moment and do that. And then hear me very well. He does not have one bit of authority over the believer none zero how do i know that because he had no authority over the head and if he had no authority over the head he has no authority over the body of the head did you see that this is so important because he's the head we're the body why will the gates of hell not prevail against the church? Because he's the head and we're the body. And the same power in the head is the power in the body. So he does have power, all right? He does have authority over those that do not know Christ, even though it's wielded through deception even with them. Their minds have to be blinded. But understand... It is even more important that, that, and I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but but that's okay. It's even more important that you realize that the devil can never get a, a, a foothold in your life or get a, a leg up on you, so to speak, if he doesn't deceive you. If he deceives you, he gets power over you because he wields his power through deception. Oh, hallelujah. Now, Luke chapter 10. Why will the gates of hell not prevail against the church? Luke chapter 10, verse 17. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us through your name. And he said, I beheld Satan fall as lightning from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. The word is exousia, authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power, over all the dunamis of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now notice this. One translation says, I watched how Satan fell like lightning out of the sky. The Philip says, yes, returned Jesus, I was watching and saw Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. Another translation says, I kept my eyes on Satan, he replied. He fell like lightning from the sky. Oh, glory. Now, there are people that would say Jesus saw this prophetically and that he saw it in a vision. No, 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 no. He's saying, I was there. I saw the rebellion in heaven, and I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I saw his initial defeat. I saw his initial defeat. Now, think about this. Think about this. That was evidently before man was created. All right? I don't, I don't have time to go into I have a teaching on this. I taught a series uh, 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 two, maybe three years ago on uh, Bible doctrines, and I taught it in the Little Rock location, and we dealt with this. We dealt with earth's first uh, uh, existence. And uh, as I say, I don't have time to go into that, but evidently what we saw there was that at one point Satan, uh, Lucifer then, had been set up as a, a ruler on the earth, and he decided when you read Ezekiel and you read the book of Isaiah and other passages, uh, he, he said, I will ascend up to the mountain of God, and I'll exalt my throne above his throne. So the idea, the indication there is that he got his, uh, his followers together, and they made an assault on heaven. All right? But the understanding there is that Michael and his angels fought, and, and the, the, the context that you have there in the book of Revelation that Michael and his angels fought against the devil and his angels was that they were, they, were, they, were, they were not reacting. They were making a move against the enemy. They were on the move. And the Bible says they cast them out of heaven. that Now, here's what I'm saying. That was Satan's initial defeat. All right? Now, here's the thing. So he was cast out of heaven. Jesus said, I saw it. I saw him fall from heaven like lightning. In other words, it was fast. Boom, he was gone. Now, here's the thing. He was cast down to the earth. God renewed the earth. All right? We see the Genesis account. And he created man in his likeness and in his image all right and what did he give them authority and dominion right and he placed them in the earth now Satan is our al- Lucifer Satan is already defeated he's been cast out of heaven God puts his man in the earth to do what exercise dominion over it. To dress it, to keep it. This this was God's plan. Amen. So think about this. Had Adam properly exercised his authority and his dominion and taught the succeeding generations how to do it, there is the, the very real possibility that we never have to deal with the enemy the way we have to deal with him today. Because why? He was already defeated. So think about this. Adam gave his authority and dominion over to a defeated enemy. Hallelujah. Now think about this. When you were born again, you were born again with authority and power over the enemy. What kind of enemy? A defeated enemy. Why? On the cross... When he died, at his resurrection, after going to hell and defeating death, Jesus rose victoriously with the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Amen. Satan has been defeated. His authority has been taken from him. That's why he's got to operate through deception. He doesn't have any authority of his own anymore. Amen. And we have been given all authority over all the power of the enemy. What's our job? Don't give up our authority to a defeated enemy. Don't do it. Don't let it happen. Hallelujah. So Jesus says, I saw Satan's defeat. I was there. Then he points them back to the source of their authority and ours, him. I have given you this Authority. Oh, hallelujah. He's saying the same authority I have over Satan, I have given you. And and think this think about this. Satan will never regain his authority. Ever. He'll never regain it. He operates through deception. He's got to deceive the believer to overcome the believer. Now that sounds like an elementary statement on the outside. But think about that. He's got to deceive the believer to operate in authority over the believer. Well, how how does he deceive the believer? Well, a number of different ways, and we'll get into more of them in this series. But he's got to deceive the believer into into, uh, believing wrong doctrine. All right? To, uh, uh, he's got to deceive the believer into thinking the word's their problem. That it doesn't work. He's got to deceive the believer into believing and thinking that somehow God is not on their side. That he's not for them. Deception. Deception. Hallelujah. The authority that the devil operates in is a stolen authority, illegal authority. Illegal in the sense of, it it was legal in the sense that Adam gave it away. It was illegal the way he went about it, immoral at at least. The authority we operate in is a delegated authority, legal on every level. It was given to us legally legally by the one who won it in hand-to-hand combat in the belly of the earth. You understand? Listen, Jesus did not just, and understand what I mean by this. He didn't just walk up to a table in hell, and there were the keys, and he just picked them up and walked out. He had to take them. He had to take them. He had to defeat death. That's why it's so important that you understand that word in Matthew 16. The gates of hell, the gates of Hades, the gates of death will not prevail against the church. Why? He defeated death. He defeated hell. Think about that for a moment. Christ, the the sinless Son of God who had never sinned, who had never failed God purposely, on purpose, of his own volition, went into the belly of the earth, went into the place of the dead. Glory to God. And and ever how you want to describe it, death grabbed a hold of him. Hell grabbed a hold of him. Man, this was their crowning achievement, their crowning moment. Glory to God. But because of the promise of the Father, because of what the Father had promised him, if you'll go to the earth and you'll die and you'll give your life, on the third day I'll raise you from the dead. And, and think about this. This harkens back to our, one of our first points. And who did the Father send to raise Jesus from the dead? The Holy Ghost. Why? He's the power arm of the Godhead. The Bible says that it was the Holy Ghost that raised Jesus from the dead. If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, that same Spirit will quicken your mortal body. Hallelujah. Amen. And when He he raised Him from the dead, He was raised with all authority, all power, all might, And all dominion. And the scripture we read in Ephesians. Says that he was seated at the right hand of the father. Far above. All principality. And power. And might. And dominion. And every name that is named. Not only in this world. But in the world that is to come. And then Ephesians 2 and 6. Says we are seated together with him. Glory to God. Amen. Now. I've got just two more verses. John chapter 8 and verse 44. I want to reiterate something to you and give you another reason the gates of hell will never prevail against the church. John 8, 44. You are of your father the devil, the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, Because there is no truth in him. Now, I I, I want to say something. I'm going to read the rest of this verse. But I want to say something. How often do you hear people talk about what the devil is saying? And my thought process about that is this. Why would you listen? There's no truth in him. Now think about this. Lies only have power if you believe them. But right on the other hand, truth only has power if you believe it. Well, the Bible says we're of the truth. It says here that he is a liar and there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. The 26th translation says, when he says what is false, he does what is natural to him. So think about this. Deception is natural to the devil. Now you you measure what Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, against what a lot of people are saying about the church and what a lot of people say about the church And then decide from the statement of Jesus who those other people are talking like. The devil. That's deception. It's deception to think the church can be overcome by the enemy. It's deception. And see, then the enemy gets people in the church talking that way and gets churches talking that way. And then he exercises authority over them, not because he has it, but because he's deceived them into using their authority to help him. No, sir. The gates of hell will never prevail against the church. Never. What always overcomes the lie is the truth. If you won't buy the lie, you cannot be deceived. If you cannot be deceived... You can't be defeated by the devil because that's how he operates. That's how he exercises his authority. In 1 Timothy 3, 1 Timothy chapter 3, this will be our last verse. The Apostle Paul was writing to Timothy. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible, verse 15 If I tarry long, that you may know how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. One translation says, it is the base of what is true. Another, the Knox translation says, it is the foundation of what is true. Another says, it is the mainstay of the truth. Oh, glory. Now, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church because the church is the base of what is true. It's the foundation of what is true. It's the mainstay of the truth. You take the church out of the earth, there's no truth in the earth. Hallelujah. The church, which is the base, the mainstay, the foundation of truth, cannot be overcome by the lie. Cannot be and will not be. Hallelujah. That's why the gates of hell will never prevail against the church. Ever. They will never prevail against the church. And you, you got to grab a hold of that, because everything that you may see going on in the world, everything that uh, people may be talking about, keep your focus on who the church is, what the church is, what the Scripture says about the church, and act accordingly. Amen? Hallelujah.